King and Yates, they bridging the gap From the U.S. to Dubai, put pins on the map Ball is life, and that's a fact And a ball is life, about that exact King and Yates, they bridging the gap From the U.S. to Dubai, put pins on the map There's a time to score and a time to assist Ain't no YN team, let the winning commence From generation to generation, game don't stop The new and old school got the game on lock It's all legendary, it's all necessary We all been all-stars before February And after that, King and Yates, after racks But really trying to get some wins, not just padding stats Two basketball <clears throat> yes, sir. Bridging the gap, episode fifteen. We back in action. What it do? What's up? How we doing, big dog? How you feeling, man? Man, I'm I'm good. I can't find my water, man. Shit. <laughs> we, where's our assistance tonight? Listen, man? we in here dolo. It's just He's naked me, in here tonight. <laughs> me, you, and a bookcase back there, and some uh, old Jay Z playlist. It's <laughs> crazy. I mean, you know, but the show must go on, man. Yeah. Then I hear your boy blasting, you know, in my headset, you know, and then I'm like, wait a minute, all that talk we just. No, it's, the, it's, it go on. I'm just saying, yeah, man, if you that, wasted that all that. Nah, look. If look, I wasted all that oxygen for now, I'm be mad as nah, well. Nah, for those of you that are listening on the audio, um, we usually, last episode I gave you a little bit of a teaser because we're starting to put our behind the scenes. We're sharing our behind the scenes, um, but we only share it on YouTube. So those of you that listen on the audio, we encourage you to go to uh, YouTube as well and watch and listen because we put a little bit, probably about 10, Five to ten minutes Too of long. extra, extra yeah. uh, content that you might not get, that you won't get anywhere else but on YouTube. Um, of some un, some candid talks from me and Coach, good info. Um, but you know, check it out. But with that being said, BTG Nation, what's up? The young OG, you guys know the triple OG. Um, we're here live in Dubai, and for all of our newcomers. Dubai is where we are from the U.S. We are here building our basketball brand called Hoop Mountain Dubai. It's Hoop Mountain DXB on Instagram, hoopmountain.ae online, all that good stuff. Check us out. Send us messages. Um, make sure you like, subscribe to everything for BTG Nation, and you know, and lock in with us. But I, I saw something on your face like you had something to say, man. What's going on? I mean, I'm just... Can we just get started? We started already. I'm we just saying, action. like, you know, that action. long intro, like, shit, man. No, nah, because we got to make sure we plug the, the brand, you know, because people forget we got people that come in for the first time. You know, we get, like, six new listeners every time. And that's great. Yeah. They got to know where to go, man. We got to have some patience, man. Come on, man. We, we we trying to raise a flower from the concrete, a rose from the concrete, you know, eyes stacked against us. But like you said, like, let's get right into it, though. Um, this past weekend, All-Star Weekend, um, I don't have my snoozer button on here yet. <laughs> Put me to sleep. We got to get one of those. They said it was the most boring All-Star Weekend ever. <laughs> Them dudes probably just heard this all night. Man. Cleveland in February. What? A mistake by the lake. That's just not. Come on, man. You saw a lot of furs. You saw oh, a lot of, of big dog furs. Out there. Of course, man. Sure. You know, of course. Just, oh, man. What can I say? Just, and it's being biased because everybody wants to be in a warm climate during winter. Absolutely. Come on, man. And look where we at. <laughs> just, being, just being real, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of chilly here. But, yeah, a little hoodie on. But you can wear shorts if you need to. 
you know, Cleveland, man, it's just, is that somewhere you really want to go unless you're from there? Family or, there. <laughs> or you got family there. Is that somewhere you want to go and kind of like recharge your batteries for the last half of the season? No, sir. And Not. and then it's top 75 weekend. Like yes. You honoring the top 75 yeah. ever yeah. as well. Um, yeah, them old dudes don't need to be in there in that cold weather. I saw Kareem leaving early. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, the dunk contest was, was trash. Um, I guess Obi Toppin won that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even watch it. I just heard his name being mentioned, whatever. But um, he didn't have bad dunks either, from what I saw. He didn't have bad. I don't. Dunks. I don't think anybody had bad. It's just how long it took them to deliver yeah, the dunks. You yeah. know, if you can't do your dunk in in two tries, then you got to do something else. Yeah, you're killing the momentum. Yep. Momentum is everything. Cap won the uh, three ball contest, and then I think Jared Allen won the skills contest. Um, what I did see people talking about was a new format for the Rising Stars Challenge. They like that. Which is um, it's, it's four teams, okay, and they play like a tournament style, and then they have a, a target score they got to get to, and then you win one game, then you play the next game against. It's like a pickup a little bit. So when you say rising, that's the rookies, rookies and, and sophomores, like the yeah, okay, those guys, okay, you know, first so it's year, forty so of them, yeah, or like well maybe like 30, eight on each team, okay, thirty something okay. like that. Yeah, and then you got like Isaiah Thomas was coaching one team, Gary Payton was coaching one, and I forgot the other two, maybe like Isaiah right. Thomas as in Zeke, yeah, Zeke, okay. Yeah, so it was fun. Maybe even Charles Oakley or somebody, but it was good energy, you know. I mean, I ain't really got much to say about it, you know. Shout out to Braun and Curry. Curry with the MVP hitting like uh, 150 trade balls. Lord. <laughs> Letting it's, them fly. It's, it's exciting to watch. That's for sure. But Steph, I just want you to know, you just set the game back another five years. Man, they're going to be wild enough. Every kid in the world is going to be shooting those those long tray balls, man. Yeah. You got to come in and do a tutorial and, turn, and tell everybody how you started out. That's for sure. And make that an <laughs> emphasis. Because you said it before, but people don't, they like gloss over it. But, um, and Brian hitting the game winner, yep. you know, on a fadeaway. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So that's good energy. Brian, man, Brian had an interesting weekend himself. <laughs> you know, he went around telling the people, hey, look, on my farewell tour, any team that that draft my son, you're going to have me too. Yeah. Hey, that's smart. You know, hey, he just increased his son's draft status by 10 spots. Hey, look, and we've been, we've been having talks privately about whether or not, like, Bronny, like, is he going to be in the league in the next four years? Like, is he going to be an NBA player or is he yeah. going to be, like, a G League guy in the next four? Now it don't even matter. Yeah. Oh, no, it don't, it don't even matter. <laughs> no. Yeah. Because anybody who gets Bron's farewell tour, Tickets sold out every game for that entire season. Yep. Right? And then you got Braun and his son. And so that's a whole nother marketing scheme. That's something that's never been done. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. So I'm just interested to see if Bron is going to be Jeffrey Jordan or Marcus Jordan. You know, we talked about this before. And I personally think that his senior year, he's going to turn it up. I hope so. And be more aggressive. Because that's next year. Because, but he's been, every year he's been taking big steps. And you think about where he is right now, he was nowhere near this last year. Yeah, so I, I just think it's, I think it's, everything Braun does is calculated. For and sure. I just think he's doing it. Let me ask you, is Amari, how, what year is he? He's senior, he graduated. Yeah. So yeah. it's a setup. Yeah. I think, I think Bryce is going to be the best one. Maybe I think know. Bryce is on some yeah. Lamelo. Well, you know the young, the Serena, <laughs> the youngest ones are always the better ones because they have a blueprint in terms of 
what not to do. Uh-huh. So, but I think I think Bronny's gonna be nice next year. I hope so, man. Like I want to see Bronny get good because I think of the sons, of the sons from the banana boat, and we haven't seen Chris Paul Young Buck yet. But other son from the banana boat, I'm going with Melo's son. Yeah, he's tough. He's yeah, Melo's son, Melo's son different. And he and his and he been thrown in the trenches the whole time. Like he in NY work on his game. He had Gaucho. He had Christ the King. He's the one that I'm betting on to be to be that dog, like mentality-wise. He's not growing up in the hills. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's that's gonna be dope. But I like Bronny too though. Like I like Bronny a lot. And I hope he does get there. Like I know for, I'm for sure saying he's D1 and all that. I just wasn't getting the he's 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 a pro in two years. And it's I was like, no, I, uh, I, I a lot I, can happen in two years. I can see it only because he's he's running as the one. See, when you run it as a one, you ain't gotta be, you ain't gotta be 30 a night. And like I said, that's why I asked you the most important question. What year is the other young buck? Yeah. The young buck's nice. Nice. But when when he leaves, mm-hmm. yeah. Brian might go ham. He got to though. Yeah, yeah he got to. So they just they just got upset too. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. At 6360. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I'm like, okay, Bronny, what's up? Yeah, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's high school. Yeah, it's high it's school, school, and you know, stars a star. Yeah, and then you know, you're that. It's like we talk about the big kids that we have coming through, um, and a a kid may be twelve years old, but he or she is really tall, mm-hmm. and they're afraid to step out of their shell and be mm-hmm. aggressive because they want they want to yeah. fit in. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. True. So That's you know, true. he's in there. You don't. Do you really want to go try to go hand when everybody knows LeBron's your dad? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You need that type of dog in you. That's what I'm that's what I'm looking for. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if if Bronny got the dog in him. That's that's what I've been looking for. Because my boy's been talking about it. It's just like it's something missing. It ain't the fact that he can't do certain things on the court. Bronny can do everything. But I, it's that it's that one motor right. that we're looking to see if it right. tick or not. That ticker. But also you mentioned this last week when you talk about like your IQ. Yeah. Sometimes your high. shit is so high. You're thinking too much. That you can be like, you know what I'm saying? You True. see things that you might be on another level than everybody else on the floor. And so you're moving at a different pace. Yeah. So next year we'll see. If he's not, if he's not a dog next year, then we'll know. Yeah. But yeah. so far, when you go from barely touching rim to windmill. To windmills, to you, you hitting you hitting tray balls and you know, you and his body you, filling out. You diamond people off and all. Like yeah. you got it. Yeah, we're gonna see. That's the that's the last thing though. Just the ticker. Yeah. Because you are you are Brian's son, oh. right? And you've been there from the very very beginning, right? We seen you courtside. So like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got those pictures of Wardell and all of them, and they all have panned out great. Of course, they don't come under that same uh, threshold in that. But he gotta get rid of that DeBarge haircut. Though. <laughs> he ain't Kylie, man. He ain't Sierra Cannon. Like he, he looked like Le- you know when LeBron dressed up for like SNL, and like yo, you can't come on, man. Live, man. Let that man live, man. He got it right. Yeah, but but on th- Bron won't done though. Bron was you know seen shouting out every GM in the from football to every GM in the NBA except Palinka. And yeah, look, man. You play this game to what? To win. To win it. You know Palinka's in his last days, man. Yeah. Him, Kurt Rambis, his wife, all of them see, in their last days. That's the real problem I have with your squad. Why is Kurt Rambis and his wife in the front office? 
Come on, man. You know, that talk right there just, just sparked some things. That conversation with a, a man in his business, and then, you know, he brings along his wife, and that, like, creates some energy that messes something up. Like, I've experienced that a couple times yeah. at my young age. Like, that's an issue right there. You got to be able to separate some things and understand when not to bring home in the business and vice versa because it's, it's messing us up. Yeah. It, like you was a bruiser for the Lakers, but that don't give that don't qualify you to be in the front office making decisions. You were actually a coach too. Yeah, yeah, you were a coach yeah. too. And we weren't good when you were a coach, right? Either. Like that's that nepotism. That's yeah. that not nepotism. And, that's that relationship. And 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 truthfully speaking, the Lakers really were trash before LeBron started to go there. What do you mean? True, we for sure we suck. No, we I'm serious. We like, couldn't get a we couldn't get a meeting with Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah, they they got lucky in the draft because and and they can't say that you know they did a great job because um, typically when you do a great job as a GM, every year we can kind of see you, you know you're consistent, but you know almost every every team in the league has had those opportunities where they had two or three guys in the mm-hmm. draft that you know were pretty good and they. But it's what you do with them. And so uh we had terrible coaches. Think about it. we had Luke Walton. <laughs> right? Like first of all, that's a terrible uh hire right there in his own right. And then from there, we didn't have any continuity. The only reason we got Braun was because Magic was on was on in the front office. Yeah. Right? And so we used Magic and then threw him out on the now everybody's seeing why he quit before anybody can make said, No, nah, I'm quit. I'm getting out of here now. Now you see why he got up out of there. Right. But you know. that that goes back to something else real quick, man, I, I want to touch on that's completely off your agenda, which is please, everybody out there, stop throwing up this crap about when it comes to LeBron and the current players, this loyalty crap. Yeah. I mean, this is a business. Yeah. Those people will, these owners, with the exception of one or two, like Mark Cuban, will use you up. And then trade you for a toaster. That's just bottom line. Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. And we've been hearing everything the last year that he's been in the league that he was going to be a cornerstone of the franchise. They've been telling, he's been in the community, building relationships, you know, putting together foundations. <clears throat> and they've been telling him he's been playing well. Then they trade him the next day. Yeah. Got him out of there. So, yeah. you know, you got to do what you have to do. Because, you know, I heard all these, these analysts this morning talking about how, you know, they were saying, they were talking about why everybody loves Mike. Cause he had, you know, uh, the largest, uh, the loudest ovation, you know, in Cleveland. Right. And in my opinion, it's not just because he was loyal to Chicago and he only played it. That's bullshit. (laughs) Jordan was most loved from everybody for a few reasons. One, he was a bad dude on the offensive and defensive end. He had a win-at-all-cost mentality. He didn't care if he was on a team. He'll fight you if he can get you to play better. All right? Jordan had swag. Major. Jordan had swag before AI came. And, you know, and that's saying a lot when it comes to – and when I say swag, I'm not talking about just like, you know, the, the outlandish stuff. Because, let, me you help, know, let me help you. Name one dude since Jordan that's, that's ball-headed that's been cool. 
<laughs> no. GP, GP, I gotta give GP credit. But, but GP was but only reason it was cool is because right. Jordan was already right. there. But That's I, swagger. I, when I, when I was Ball headed in the hoop ring. What I was about to say, outlandish. <laughs> I'm talking about like you know Walt Frazier. Oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah. No, he was just sleek. Because what I didn't know was that he was in the Mary J. Blige video. Who? MJ. Oh man, I know he I, was in a um. Uh, Michael Jackson joint. Yeah, I didn't know he was in a Mary J mm-hmm. joint because he was hugging Mary J and people was like, yo, Mike, you getting frisky. Right, right. And they like, what you didn't know was Mike is in the walk. He had his walk. Mm-hmm. The walk you talk about, everybody was copying. And he had the, the suit with the hoop earring what, that, and the Ferrari or whatever. Well, that's what I was about to say. He made it cool for athletes to dress up in suits and come business attire. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was one of the first dudes that would make the media wait for him to get completely dressed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he was just... He had y'all wearing them damn brown suits. Huh? The three brown three-piece joints with the vest. I mean, listen, listen. It was smooth. It was smooth, man. Yeah, <laughs> was listen. Nice. But Mike had everything. Yeah. Mike had all types of shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But he was just an iconic figure. He had the best shoes. Best shoes. So, like, it just... Mm-hmm. It was, it was it was just different, but it was bigger than basketball, right? He made it global. So, but these people talking about like loyalty, they don't they have no idea that if the Bulls didn't luck up and get Pippen and Horace Grant in the same draft, right, and then make a few good free agent acquisitions, Jordan was going to leave, right? But the difference is, dudes were locked in the longer term contracts back then. And they couldn't leave as easily. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why, and that's why we gotta make sure that when we watch these free agency battles and these entitled players, they gotta start doing their research mm-hmm. and looking at what the big O had to sacrifice. Right. What type of contracts guys had to sign in order for you to be sitting up here sitting games out. Right. And and the contracts that these guys were signing later in their careers weren't even half of what guys are getting now. And so that's why people talk about loyalty. You know, people talk about because um, Kobe was at in the Lakers for twenty years. Kobe threatened to sit out an entire year, eighty-two yeah. games, if y'all didn't give me some help. Kobe was going to Chicago, and he's supposed to do that because yeah. why not? He's giving his heart and soul to the to the organization. Why not help him win now? Mm-hmm. You know, Tim Duncan did it, yeah, but San Antonio is different, yeah, different breed. But before before that ownership or that leadership group got there. You see where George Gervin spent his last year right. in Chicago. Yeah. Got him up out of there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was the first big Nike guy. Mm-hmm. And he was all, San Antonio was only George Gervin. Yeah. So so people, all this loyalty crap, shut up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what you're talking about because um, if that's the case, Jordan would still be working with the Wizards. Yeah. He, he came in, suited up, saved them. Yeah. And they, you know what they said? Nah. We're gonna renege on our agreement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there ain't no loyalty in this. And that's how you get that's how it gets to where it is now. Yeah, you right? gotta you gotta do what you gotta do, man. That's that's why we gotta respect how Braun and KD and all those guys move. Cause it's like you can't move without me. And those guys don't do anything to discredit the game. No. Right? No. They just gonna be like, look, I'm gonna go where I'm respected and you're gonna do your job as a as a GM in the front office. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, like since that move, you know, everybody was, Stephen A was talking about, Katie, it's your franchise. You need to make sure something happens that they make moves or whatever. So since that trade, right, they trade Harden, they get Seth, 
They get Ben Simmons. They get Andre Drummond. And just recently, they confirmed on getting Dragic, mm-hmm. right? And that's a... Well, the people forget he was all-star at one point. I Man, he averaged 19 just two years ago. In the finals. Right. Right? And so you get a, a vet that can score, defend, control the pace of the game, and knows how to play playoff winning basketball at the same position to where if you don't have Kyrie, you can still make it happen, even though I think Kyrie will be playing. Adam Silver just came out. Um, publicly and was talking about how the law itself was dumb and didn't make any sense and you're trying to figure out how to make it work. So, you know, it's about, I think, about six, seven weeks left in the regular season. I think they'll find a way to have him playing in the playoffs. Um, but that's a big move for BK. Right. That's a big move. You got Patty Mills. You got Joe Harris. You got Seth Curry. Um, you got Ben Simmons that'll be playing soon. Andre Drummond. You got the young buck Cam Thomas, who my boy uh, – James, who was on the show last week, he maybe last year in the middle of March Madness, he was telling me, he was like, yo, this kid at LSU, he might be the still of the draft because he can really get to it. And the other night I watched the, the Nets come back from down 28 and beat um, the Knicks <laughs> in New York <laughs> in, the in, in, in the Madison Square Garden. And he had 18 in the fourth. Mm. He was a rookie, ball in his hands. And so they got a lot going on. How do you think they're going to fare in the uh, playoffs? Nets? With that addition, what does that do for them now? I mean, it definitely it definitely solidifies their bench. Mm-hmm. Um, because now Patty can go back to his rightful position in terms of coming off. Um, and Dragic gives him a little more, just a little bit more size than Patty. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely that just creates a lot more space for Kyrie. You know, KD, he don't need space. He don't need good. But just creating a little more space for Kyrie, just that's going to wreak havoc on other teams because you you got to deal with it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying when he's on a roll. Yeah, and and know. I and I think people now understanding how much better they got defensively. Right, like they're lengthy now. Where you just talk about KD, Ben Simmons, and Andre Drummond alone. <laughs> well, they're, like they're, that they're, space. Yeah, I mean the biggest pickup on in defense was. Not only being lengthy, but Drummond is a, a big time rebounder. Big time rebounder. You know, he doesn't he doesn't want the ball, but he can catch and finish with his back to the basket. And the second thing, listen to this bigs, he's a great screener. Right. And he takes pride in screening. Yeah. Or they asked him the question the other day. He's like, Why do you think Seth is playing so great? He said, because 'Cause I'm screening for him. Mm-hmm. Right, and you think about that. How many more open shots are you gonna get for everybody else, or even how many more slips are you gonna get to the basket because right. you set a good screen with KD running off? Woo, that's crazy. Somebody, somebody six eleven setting a screen for somebody seven foot, <laughs> <laughs> and he really setting them up and coming off and catching the one two. That's crazy. Quick feet. That's crazy. BK doing what they doing, but with staying within the NBA, um, Chris Paul out of six to eight weeks. We hate man. to see it, man. I hate. I know it, man. I know. Like it, it always. It just always happens to the big dog for a thumb injury on his you know, right hand. And you know, I always put place this blame on Doc Rivers, right? Because he pushed him too hard, too much on his back. He's too, carrying him. Just too much, man. Just and he's he hasn't been the same since he left the Clippers, man. Health wise, on health. Yeah, just injury prone, just because. Man, he can't get those years back. Like he played too many minutes, no backup point guard, no true backup point guard. And yeah. now, you know, even with um Phoenix making this run, 
he's still playing a lot. Too much. He makes them go. Yeah. Like he and they, just, and they and he does have more help, right? But yeah, yeah. yeah. He still gotta be out there. Yeah. So we'll you know? but this was this is this is, is a much more mature Phoenix team. Younger still with a lot of Moxie championship pedigree now because they've been there and they've seen it before. So it'll be a good test for them going into the playoffs. Cause I think he'll be I think he'll be back right right at the start of the playoffs. Yeah. Um now me as a Laker fan. It's good for you guys. I'm like, yo, we pick it up the way we're supposed to pick it up. Like anything can happen. Yeah. You know, and as I said, this stuff just, you know, is going to add more to the legacy of Brian. But, you know, CP3, we want you to be healthy, though. Yeah, but it don't matter because AD is always hurt. So, yeah, he... anyway, <laughs> anyway. All right. This, this one from your era right here. My man from the Fab Five. Gave somebody the five fingers of fire, <laughs> Jawan Howard. <laughs> he smacked up the Wisconsin coach and the assistant coach in the um in the in the what's it, how we call it, the handshake line at the end of yeah. the game. He got he got fined forty k and um suspended for the rest of the regular season. So that's effectively five games. Wisconsin coach got fined ten k, and the assistant coach won't be fined. And then we got two players that got suspended for one game. Um, you, you're the former coach. You, you've you've been in situations where you wanted to put hands on coaches and players alike. Like, can you, I'll let you talk about what that situation was? Because you, because he, you saw the press conference or saw, yeah, yeah saw I heard the explanations. And and yeah. let me say this: even though I understand what it means to walk by somebody and say, "Just don't touch me." Right, yeah. I understand that. Well, you kind of, kind of lay, kind of lay the feel for them because you know we do got listeners that's here that they ain't really, they don't really know exactly what happened. They okay. probably gonna go back. And All right. Play. Well, first, you know, Michigan's losing by 14, 15 points, but they're still picking up ninety four feet. You know, Juwan said it's not a press; it's just our five man full court. You know, but still, you're still picking up ninety four feet, right? Other team has his subs in, and he calls a timeout to reset the clock to 10 seconds, all right, to give them a little more time to, you know, to, to manage the the pressure or whatever, which I get it if you're not up 14. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jawan, you're supposed to tell your guys whether we're down 15 or one, you play hard. That's because we're trying to, you know, us playing hard to the, to, the, to the buzzer sounds right now could help us later on in April. And you're the Wisconsin coach. You're telling your guys, this is a great opportunity for you to learn how to handle the pressure so you can get more time, mm-hmm. you know, and for you to, for you to bail them out and, and call a timeout and say that you didn't want to put them in that situation is BS to me because it's like, if there's only three or four seconds left, let it roll. Whatever happens, happens, you know, and then that's a, ta- that's a teaching point later on for those guys. But, you know, for you to burn a timeout or two at the end of the game, that is Bush League. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It is. So you have every right to be upset. You know, for those idiots that say, well, Jawan shouldn't have had his guys up. They're down. You don't want them to be quitters. Yeah. So now now they're in March Madness if they get a chance, or the Big Ten tournament. And it's a it's a 14-point game, but there's like 142 left on the clock. They just quit? Mm-hmm. No, you never know what can happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you, you know, 
you tell those guys keep playing hard. Wisconsin coach, you tell you guys you got to weather the storm. Mm-hmm. And so they're in the handshake line. You already know big fella's pissed. Yeah. And, you know, he's not even giving you eye contact, not wanting to shake your hand. You let it roll. You let it roll. You send him a message later. You know what I'm saying? And then you guys talk it out or whatever. But for you to go and grab him and as if you're saying, you're going to listen to me. Like, really, he should have yoked you up then. That's why I was like, if you're going to put hands on somebody, you should put your hands on him. So they get separated. So why is your assistant coach coming in after you've been separated Mm -hmm. and he's got words to say? Mm -hmm. And so... Jawan probably felt disrespected. Like, you're just, the, you're just the assistant. I'm not even talking to you. Yeah. And so he put his hands on him, which was completely wrong. He's, Jawan had, the school has every right to suspend him. They do. But I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing. And so <clears throat> for those out there saying that he should be fired, no. It's his second strike. You know, yeah. it's, it's heated, whatever. And we've seen coaches do worse. Way worse. It happens a third time, yeah, he's got to go. Mm-hmm. That's just bottom line. Um, but it's a stressful year. They're not winning at the clip that they expected to win at. And, you know, this is basically like get back for the other teams. You know how it rolls. Yeah. You know, and so he's got he's to eat this, you know. And his team's got to rally around each other for the next five games and and give him a chance to return and then, you know. Make some noise. Make some noise. Yeah. He gave more than five of them fingers. It looked like he tried to grab his face. Like he wanted to punch him, but he was like, open hand, because the but punch had, is worse than the smack. But he had to reach over some, so he ain't really yeah. getting, you know, he, he ain't really yeah. grabbed like he needed to. So, yeah. and I don't think any player should be suspended. Yeah, that's what I saw too, because the adults escalated it. So they yeah. come to the defense, but, yeah. you know, they are, they're going to do what they're going to do with the suspension. And, you know, people are going to laugh when I say this. If you're going to suspend the head coach of Wisconsin 10,000 and find him 10,000, and find Jawan Howard forty thousand. You might as well not even give him a fine. Yeah, Jawan might have that in the locker room. <laughs> you know, come on, man. That's so, like these fines are ridiculous. They man. just go into the. They just go into the Big Ten. It's going to their pocket. Ridiculous. It's going to be man. some my vacation. Money. Ridiculous. But I mean, it's interesting. That's a very, very, um, uns- it's, it's interesting and it's not spoken on a lot because there are unspoken rules amongst coaches, right? As players, you got some things that you just don't do. We've talked about some of those things before. But as coaches, you know, it's a gentleman's thing. You you guys understand what it takes to get up every day, every morning, prepare practice plans, deal with parents, deal with all these things in front office. And so you kind of, even in battle, you share that understanding. So there's certain things that you do that, you don't do just out of respect. And then, you know, that's when so people may be watching, like, I don't understand how you even get that upset over something like that. It just, it's some things you just got to understand you just don't do. If the people that say, I don't understand why both coaches were upset, mm-hmm. they've never really been in the heat of battle. That, I mean, that, you know, when we say battle, we're not talking about life or death. We're talking about sports, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when people put, everything into it to get to that point that they're at in the Big Ten, you had to sacrifice a lot of your free time in order to be that good, you know, and have that opportunity. So you invested a lot. And those coaches feed their families that way. Yeah, That's their career. That's their livelihood. So, yeah, they're into it. Mm-hmm. Because we all know with 
with the social media um, culture that we're in, you know, those guys have one, two losing seasons gone, yeah. you know? So yeah, they're, they're going to be emotional, you know, because mm -hmm. stuff like this happens every day in the, in the regular workplace and people, people do get terminated or people get, you know, reprimanded in some form or fashion, but it happens. Mm -hmm. And some underlying issues there. Yeah. Short white guy grabbing a black guy and saying, no, you're going to listen to me. What gives you the audacity to think that I have to listen to you anyway? We're we're peers, and in some ways, I am a step or two above you when it comes to this basketball pedigree because I am an NBA champion, right? I've reached the pinnacle and I've coached in that spaces. But who are you to think that I gotta stop and talk to you, right? And so that's what also causes that reaction because as a a black coach, you gotta take on some other things that come there. You know, you, Wisconsin is Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you've never yeah. been a <laughs> never been a Madison, Wisconsin, then yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 he is from Chicago, right? So I imagine that you know there's some some things that you've grown up in yeah. battle again, between again, that belt if, wave. If, a, if an a, if a grown man tells you, don't leave me alone, me. don't touch me, you know what? Walk by him, say f me or whatever, and then talk to me the next day. Yeah. We can and, do that. Know, and we can do that, you know. Watch your hand. But, but don't, don't, you don't have to touch me. Well, that's a perfect segue into like the biggest struggles we've had as players. Like, I, what are some of those struggles that you've dealt with? Um, and I put a couple of them down. Like, what do they teach you? What, what, what was missing when it comes to like guidance from, you know, the coaches you've had? Um, how does it influence you now? But all those type of things. Like, what were some of the biggest struggles you had as a player? You can start like wherever space you're hitting it from. It can be from you as a youth, high school, college, and then you as a pro. But like some of the biggest struggles that you've had to deal with that you know somebody can learn from. Well, for me, um, one of my biggest struggles was, you know, um, slowing down and, and reading the game mm. and not allowing outside influences to run my emotions too high or too low. And, um, and. What is an outside influence? Outside influence could be family members, mm -hmm. you know, um, friends, Absolutely. you know, certain fans. And don't get me wrong, most times, 99.9% .9 of the time, those people mean well by you. But most times those people don't, they don't have a clue in terms of what you need to do for your job in, in the sport. And, you know, they want what's best for you. And so most times those are selfish wants and it's not necessarily what your team needs. And so when you're not, when you're listening to them too much and then you're having, you're bumping heads with your coach, your teammates, the game plan, and you're not playing up to your potential, then you start to take everything personally and blame other people. Mm. And I was a big, big victim of that. You know, uh, like, was that pro or high school or college? Um, all three. Mm. All three. You know, and I'm just going to say, you know, when I was in high school, you know, I knew that as a freshman that I could easily start on varsity. Um, and, you know, it was a weird dynamic down south because you could play on all three teams. So the freshman team would play um, on certain days. JV would play just before the um, 
JV, I mean, just before the varsity boys would play, right? Because the girls were playing in another spot. So I played on all three teams. You know, I never forget this. You know, my cousin was from Detroit. Um, so we were in the backcourt together. So freshman team, you know, I averaged like 25, 26. JV team, I averaged about 20. Then I come in off the bench for the freshman team, you know, I averaged about seven, eight points. On varsity. On varsity team, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, and so, you know, I'm just listening. I'm like, you know, shit, I really should be starting on varsity. You know right. what I'm saying? But coach knew that I had time. Mm. And it, and when I mean time, I'm not talking about a year, just months. So he, the original plan was for me to come in just at the end of the season, the last four or five games of the regular season, and then get ready for the tournament. And I was going to be the starting point guard. But again, my dumb ass took it personally, listening to the wrong people, and started skipping school and all that stuff, whatever. And the day I was named starting point guard on varsity, grades came out. Yep, I flunked off the team. Damn. Idiot. That team goes on, wins the district, wins the region, goes to states. Yeah. What, how, like, because right now we work with kids, right? Yeah. And even I'm, we're looking at 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, and of course they're going to lead with emotion because <clears throat> typically they're not, and, we, you know, we'll talk about parenting in the next segment, but a lot of times we aren't teaching our kids how to deal well with emotions or how to work, especially young men, how to work around it. So it's expected that you will feel that way, right? But do you feel like now looking at it, is there a time when you can tell that ninth grader who has that big future what the future plan is so that you can keep them in the way, knowing that a kid is a kid and they're going to get in their own way? Well, here's the difference in the way we approach things. Because, you know, and you know from experience, I kind of approached it this way with you guys and Coach Thomas. We were consistent. We were consistently a part of your life in some capacity. True. Whether, depending on the season, during the basketball season, um, our contact with you was up here. Off season, we were still here. Mm -hmm. We never dipped below yeah. below mm -hmm. average. You know what I mean? And so, you know, that's how we approach things at Hoop Mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why parents are comfortable with us with their kids because they know that like we care about them off the court, right? Academically, socially, mentally, physically, all that stuff. So that's the difference. When I came up, once the season was over, and may you rest in peace because my high school coach just passed away recently mm, um, dealing with cancer. But we didn't really see him that much, you know, off season. So we were kind of on our own, you know what I mean? And so when you don't have contact with somebody that's going to keep you in a certain structure and keep you hearing these, those positive you know, things that you need to hear as reinforcement, it's easy to slide the wrong way. And, um, you know, when you gotta, listen, man, when, when you ask a, a kid to, to make major life decisions on their own, shit, you're setting them up for him or her up for failure. Right. They should never be making decisions on their own. And so you go forward to what, what we're living in now. Too many people right now that are raising kids are too afraid to say what is truthful to their kids mm. because they don't want to, one, be deemed as a bad parent. They don't want to have their kids upset with them. And, you know, 
but those generations of parents are forgetting how we were raised. Yeah. And that's, and that goes across every, you know, not everybody, but I'm saying the majority of, you know, the, the different cultural and ethnicities that we had in the U S where no, here's the law outside of your house. Mm-hmm. Obey the law, obey these rules or there's going to be consequences inside the house. Got our own. Rules. Those law, those are my laws. Yeah. Those are my rules. There's consequences if you don't follow them. We all we all turned out pretty pretty yeah. good, you know what I mean? Of course, there's going to be one or two examples of people who fell, you know, on the on the wrong, wrong side of the fence. But overall, we all grew up to be pretty good, decent people. You True. know what I mean? No matter no matter what kind of circumstance you came from. But now, you know, we worry about everybody. We worry about our kids' feelings too much. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not their job to make decisions for us. Yeah, it's our job to make decisions for them. Yeah, and we'll get back to that parent stuff because that's a whole, that's a whole different dynamic, yeah. right? But how do you, that happens? To you ninth grade, yeah, ninth grade. So you got a lot of time to rectify that, right? So what did that cost you? And then how did you bounce back from that? Um, that that cost me a lot of pride, man. Because, you know, uh, the, the team start, you know, the team's winning. So everybody's like, shit, they didn't need you. Right. You know what I mean? But when they got to a certain point and they lost, I could have been that extra X-Factor. piece mm-hmm. to help us get over the hump. And, you know, and that stuff bothered me, you know. And so I come back the next year and, you know, completely changed position because certain people graduated, whatever. So I start as a sophomore, Yates. I'm starting at the four. Man. You know, I was I was skinny as you were. Right. You know? But that, was that because he didn't trust you with the ball? Nah, I mean, we had all of our size left. So mm. we had a bunch of little guys left. So, so they, they gotta, had to play. They got to play somewhere. Yeah. And so... Um, <clears throat> Damn, you could have been the starting point guard oh. one year to... Uh, I get it. Yep. And then... Um, so then going into my junior year, you know... You know, we got Craig Wilcox on our team. He's top 50 in the country. You know, we got, you know, Maurice Harrell, who's, um, he went to, you know, Georgia. He was recruited by 99 Division One football schools. Tough. Like, I, we see Bobby Bowden, those guys in the hallways all the time, right? We had <clears throat> Don Park. We had, just put it like this, our varsity was full of D1 football, baseball, and basketball guys. Well, that's athletes. It's athletes, right? <sighs> So we're going into my junior year, man. I'm averaging like 25 clips. Mm. I'm murdering them. Yeah. This is it. But this is, again, this is me not having that consistent structure in my life in terms of somebody knowing basketball. Because yeah. my mom and dad were were divorced. Um, my stepfather, great job helping raise me, but wasn't a basketball guy. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, I spurned several opportunities to go play in private schools. I'm, I'm staying here. I don't need that crap, right? I, I did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, different, different, yeah, different <laughs> yeah, Coach Thomas. Yeah, um, true, true. So, you know, I'm I'm doing well, man. And then listening to outside influences, I get a big head. And for those of you that are, you know, a minority, you know what a big head is. Mm-hmm. You start being a little too arrogant. Mm-hmm. So I'm skipping school again. I'm living on the edge, Yates. You know, you can miss, I think it was like 20 days um, of excused absences. Um, I mean, unexcused absences is still past 21, 22. I'm, mm. I'm flirting with death. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
I go into the final um, end of the season. Grades come out, Yates. I'm, I'm hustling, though. I'm, I'm hustling. I got everything in the drum. I get everything in on time. My mom set me up. My mom said, nah, yeah. he made it. But just tell him he didn't make it. Mm. It's just, he don't deserve it. I said, so yeah, I, so I end up I end up getting kicked off the team again. Yeah. So instead of having um, having a follow through of you know I had like you know maybe you know a handful of D ones and stuff already, all these junior colleges start calling me, and then every, the whole talk around town was, yo, he ain't gonna do nothing because he ain't serious, mm -hmm. he ain't disciplined enough, he ain't smart enough, you know. So that hurt me a lot yeah. when people calling me dumb. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I might have done some ignorant things. But I wasn't dumb. Right. And um, and so I remember my mom saying, you know, it's up to you. What you gonna do? Mm. She said, you know, this this summer you don't have to, you don't have to work as much. Um, and I'll I'll work harder and you know, work a little extra and you know, send you to all those camps that you have been talking about going to before, you know, Metro Index and Pennsylvania, BC All Stars, Tifton, Georgia. Um, Kentucky blue chip. Those are the big joints back yeah. then, you know? And, and so I was like, all right, you know, you know, I gotta, I gotta step up. And so, you know, all that stuff this summer, I went and played, I still worked, whatever, got my act together, got my grades back up, came in, was balling, um, you know, my senior year. What was the one camp that, that you, that ticked it for you that you was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm back. I, in I went, I went to BC. Mm -hmm. I went to BC. Um, and so the first time I went, um, I had to pay and, um, it was at the same week where there was something else big time going on. And so a lot of the stars weren't there. So I got top 20. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember toward the end, this is when I knew there was a difference in players, you know, cause even our guys didn't even get this. Othella Harrington was the number one player in the nation. Oh, okay. And they flew him in. For the all-star game. I said, what kind of, <laughs> I said, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, um, so I ended up being in that. And then that's where I met um, William Cunningham. We call him six. We, you know, we actually went to Temple together. And um, Cameron Dollar was there. I mean, there was a lot of guys that were there that, that I knew, you know. And so went to that man. And then um, the second one was coming up late in the summer. And I knew things were starting to change when they invited me to come for free. Mm -hmm. oh, you know what I'm saying? So then, you know, I went to that man and then, you know, my senior year, you know, my, my point guard, um, we call him clutch and you can, you know yeah. why we call him clutch. Yeah, yeah. I don't, two seconds left or whatever. He's going to knock yeah. it down. Right. Just a three point sniper, man. Like a big six, four guard. His older brother, uh, we call him AG. His name was Ant Green was like one of the first, um, big point guards in Georgia, six, four, six, five, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And, um, we were rolling, man, rolling. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting like 21, 22, like 10, 11 point, I mean, rebounds. And um, my boy Clutch is averaging like 32, yeah, he's mm. killing, you know. And um, he goes down with a knee injury. Ooh. Then my best friend, um, we play a few games, we're still rolling, we're still okay, we're still okay, we're a little shaky, but we're okay. He goes down. Damn. So we roll into, we roll into the districts, and I'm like really the only, you know, double digit guy left. And um, I, I put on the show 
I put on a show, we, we like two games and the, the you know, uh, chip game. I got like 38, 39. But just dummy. I go in a, a bucket that would have basically put us over, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You know, it was a it was a it was a bucket that would have changed the momentum of the game to end yeah. it. Instead of me going in to, to dunk it, I go in and try to lay it George up. George And miss that joint. Instead of and everybody's thinking I'm just gonna go over and just crunch it on somebody. I miss it. And we end up losing. Because the other team they had, they had these two white kids, like six, seven, six, eight. They was like, I was like, shit, like two Kyle Corvers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they got us up out of there. And I just remember riding on the bus home. And normally I'm back there with my big Lasonic box and everything. We just, I ain't, I ain't have it on, nothing. I just got my head down. I'm crying. You know, my coach comes up to me, um, says, you okay? I said, I was like, what am I going to do now? Because everybody was expecting me to, you know, lead us to a, a deep run in the States. You know what I'm saying? So he was just like, just do what you've been doing. He said, you've been, you know what I'm saying, working your way back into things. Just keep working. You know what I'm saying? It, trust me to work out. And so, you know, um, thank God, you know, you know, Johnny Williams, may he rest in peace, my AAU coach. I, mm, I mentioned yeah. him before. Um, we're still doing his thing. Um, and, you know, I went to Nike and um, Nike camp at Clemson. And, um, you know, like I said, Temple had already seen me before. Dean Demopoulos, thank God, he was he was around because he gave me a chance. He saw me play there and, you know, uh, had coach and, um, you know, Jim Maloney come see me play down in Atlanta. I mean, so I still got a chance to yeah. do my thing, but it was shaky, you know what yeah. I mean? And was, I learned a lot and I just knew that, like, I knew that if I ever got a chance to coach that, it's going to take me doing more off the court than on the court if I want to help kids like myself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's one of the questions. So, like, the biggest influences in your life, like, could they have done more, right? And then, because one thing that I struggle with is that, like, I only have my mom. My mom had no clue about basketball. We didn't have any basketball players in my family, period. Now you, I remember you saying your pops was a, a hooper, but he wasn't present. Right. And so that made, but you had some type of lineage of like where the game would go and where you got your, you know, prowess was from. But where your everyday people that you see, your coaches and all that, yeah. that's, you need the guidance from there. You didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. So now we're at the point was like, what do you see? What is it that coaches who weren't players before, what do they miss when it, when they're in this space? So like right now, like you said, you know that you got to do more off the court because of you and your time as a player. You know about the mental health stuff. You know about the things that a player goes through mentally when it's ups and downs that a play, a guy who's coaching wouldn't know. Like what is that those moments taught you? That you, you have to really get to understand each player. Mm-hmm. Their situations you say that all the time too. They, their situations can be uh, completely different. Even if this kid comes from a strong family background, they have a nice house, you know, mom and dad, you know, yeah. just a good wholesome family. That kid could be dealing with some things. So you know, people people look at grassroots coaches and say. Oh, your job's easy. You know that's why you only make you know two, three thousand dollars a year for for the work you do. But when when it all boils down to it, 
you're a coach, you're a father, you're a brother, you're a mentor, mm-hmm. you know, you're a psychologist, you know, you're a social worker. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this because, you know, oftentimes these, these guys that play for you or young ladies, if you're doing a good job in terms of listening to them and paying attention to them, they'll often confide in you in things that they won't confide in their parents with. Right. You know, and so you got to be there for them. And I'm sorry, like, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of extra sacrifice for you. But if you want that player to believe in you in that time out and do and try their best to do whatever you want them to execute, you got to believe in them. You got to trust in them and you got to work with them every day. Mm-hmm. That's just, this is bottom line, man. They're kids. They're, yeah, they're kids. <laughs> and they're man. young. Like, yeah. that's, that's the number one thing. Like, yes, we want to put expectations on them and push them because we see potential, but they are kids and yeah. they do think in a way that a child will think because they don't know any better. They got to collect experiences, ones that you've already collected. And so they need your help now. So um, I think when that leads me to this question, is like, how did you get out of your rut? Like, what did those moments, those struggles, the specific struggles about you getting in your own way with your ego, I would say, um, what what did that teach you about yourself and how did you get out of those ruts? Like, that's something that you probably still do now. Well, well one thing it taught me a lot about was self-awareness. And one thing I still struggle with now, I got a big mouth. Like, there ain't nothing that's going to come across my mind that I'm not going to speak to anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's Bill Gates, whoever. If I feel that it's the honest truth, I'm, and, it's, and it's, it's only going to affect me, I'm going to tell you. Now, if it's going to affect someone else, you know, one of my loved ones or friends, whatever, I might, I might tone it down and keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything in regards to me, I'm just going to say it. And that, some, that has gotten me into a lot of trouble, right. you know, you know, over my lifespan. Um, and so for me, you know, it's just every day continuing to fight an internal battle and knowing that I can't talk to everybody. Same. In the same way that I want somebody to talk to me because mm-hmm. they get defensive, you know, and they may not be as emotionally tough as I am. Yeah. You know. And that's important. Yeah. Right? That emotional toughness. And that's what that's what you learn because through everything, life is about ebbs and flows. You're always right. going to have your highs and your lows. And in sports, and we can speak about basketball in particular, you're going to be up and you're going to be down and you're going to be knocked off that high horse at some point, somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. So you got to have some humility throughout that entire time. And so um, that's dope. I think one my biggest struggle was, was confidence because we were so... Um, and you kind of got a fake confidence being from where we're from because, you know, you're tall, you're black, you're male. And even if it's not just basketball... You know that if out on the street or just out in public, if you if you looking weak, you know what I'm saying. You're just a poster boy for something to happen. Somebody picking on you or whatever else. What was so interesting about where growing up in the DMV and in Alexandria is you're so close to some high level basketball, especially in the time that I was growing up. So you're seeing the Nike stuff. You're seeing all these different things. Like I had no clue what basketball could really do for you at 14, 15, 16. Like I'm just playing outside or in the wreck, right? And then somebody drags you into stuff and then you start to see what it looks like for a kid that has a blueprint at home to where they're 
dad or their uncle or somebody has already played this. They went to the master. It's four generations at the master. It's three generations at prep. There's two generations here and there. And you're in the midst with all that. And those mm -hmm. kids carrying a different energy. But you're not knowing that you're really one mental perspective switch right. from being ahead of them, even with the extras they have, right? But you get with the wrong adults because, again, you as kids. I remember, like you said, having the wrong people in your mind. And I think about it all the time to where those moments to, like this one or two pivotal moments to where an adult influenced my decision to do something that I look at, like I didn't necessarily feel right about, but I didn't know any better. But it it shifted the trajectory, and I had to find my way back in. We talk about Coach Thomas all the time. I mean, I remember Coach Thomas telling me that I wouldn't play varsity. I remember him telling me which one of my peers specifically was going to play, and I wasn't going to play. Like, I wasn't a varsity player. And at that time, I don't know. He, most likely he was doing that to push me. There's two uh, things. He was One, a psychological warfare. Yes. One, to motivate you. Yeah. And two... He's telling you the truth. Facts. If you don't work hard, you won't make varsity. Right. So, so he basically did you a favor. For sure. For later on in life. For sure. And yeah. then the, the flip side is that when I think about that is I know he's pushing me because the season before, the year that they had Mike Davis, all of them, that whole time, because I was a freshman, that whole time I was in the summer training every day with Coach. But I had some older people in my background who – were kind of against Coach Thomas because he was new in the era and everything. And, you know, Coach Thomas always kept a young buck on the team. Yep. And at the time, I was probably the only young guy playing with a Nike-sponsored team, not knowing what that meant, still trying to find my way. But I remember these guys telling me, look, just take this one or two months off and let's do this computer class here, and then you'll train with this Nike guy that we know from the side or whatever and worry about Coach Thomas. We'll handle him. Coach Thomas don't work that way. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so that two months of me not being there with the team and not doing things, that, that changes everything. That changes, right. that, that that takes me down as a player. That changes my mindset and stuff. And so I look back at all that and it was like, the struggles I had with my confidence was really an indication of like where I was getting my guidance from. Yep. And so, and so now when it comes to what the experiences I've collected, when it comes to basketball, whatever, it's like, all right, you're not always going to be dealt the hand that you want, but you got to find an opportunity within the space that you're given right. so that way you can climb yourself out of it. Because I even look back at college and I'm like, man, I know why I went there, but going to that school, if basketball was, you know, really what I wanted to do further, I knew I wasn't going to get better basketball-wise with what I needed there the coaches I had beforehand, and then the one that I ended up with. Yeah, he was a good guy, but basketball-wise, he couldn't teach me how to be a better college player or a pro, potentially. I was stuck teaching myself how to do that, right? But throughout all those lessons, I always learned how to make sure I could get on the court. Right. I could make sure I could get on the court and make sure I could get on the court and be successful. So I learned how to teach myself because I was taught – how to work beforehand. And so now I can tell a guy that like, hey, you might not like your circumstance, but one thing about basketball is if you put the work in, right. <laughs> eventually it's going to come, right? And just like with GMs, we may need better strategy or whatever. I, I swear, every basketball game we won in college, my time, we won because 
the players won it. I can't think of one time when I was like, yeah, we won that one because of coaching and preparation and all those things. And all of our and all of the coaches in our conference knew that. Right. But when I say that, I'm like, okay, you can't come to me complaining about what you couldn't have as a player. Because the one thing you do always have is two good hands, two good feet, and a ball in the gym as long as you're in school. So it's just gonna be about how you can do it. So in hindsight, that helps me now giving guidance and saying, look, we can't take excuses for things because, yeah, I, I went from playing with the top guys, all the depots and whatever, to being here. But I, I made sure that I gave myself a chance through all of those things, right? And then I learned how to build confidence through work. Yeah, well, yeah, the work. <laughs> yeah, The work that you put in, man, that you put in, that, that, that should be the ultimate confidence booster right there, man. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be damned if I take, if I take 500 shots every day, yeah, and then you know I go in and then you know I'm afraid to take a shot again. Bump that, like, right? You know, exactly, and it work. And there is because like I, I sit back and look all the time, and I'm like, yo, like, like I know you had these moments. She was like, yeah, there's a few things that if I had this extra, like I always joke with you and be like, yo, you left me hanging. If I had you for a little bit more in a couple of those summers, I would have been able to jump this way. But I look at it and I'm like. I made sure that I put myself in a position because I worked harder, but I see what the difference is when somebody has an adult behind them that's already seen a vision that could push. Because you can only see what's so far for yourself. Right. Right? Like my wife tells me all the time, she's like, you don't know the way other people see you or the way that you can, they can see where you can go. Because we look at Young Bucks now, certain of our guys, and we're like, oh, you can do some things. You don't have no clue, right? Right. But luckily for them, we're the right ones to be there. But you didn't always have that right one. And so somebody <laughs> talk about getting to the league or getting right. to the pro or getting a D1 scholarship. Just getting any scholarship. Any, any, yes, because luckily for me, I did go to school and majority of mine was paid for because of basketball and stuff. Because this is something that everybody needs to understand. Even though it's 2022, mm-hmm. um, and you graduated in 2015. Well, yeah, undergrad 2015. 2015, okay. You know, me, you know, 96, 97. Um, people don't understand that we're first generation college kids. Yes, true. In our family, you know, that's that's big. Mm-hmm. So everything is, you know, this was the first time this grass has been stepped on. Right. You know, right. so, um, so right. everything's new. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what makes it so... And so interesting to watch too, because um, you know, I got so much respect for for those guys that are doing it for the first time, right? They don't come from a place where my uncle played here or my my dad was here and they don't have like the pedigree or the blueprint to just go. They're just working off of pure passion and hard work. Yep. And their own wild imagination <laughs> to where it's like nobody else believes it, but I can see it clearly. Yep. So I'm just gonna keep going. Right, because that's really gangster. <laughs> that's really gangster. Now to get it, um, and then again, if you fall short of that ultimate goal, look where we landed. Right, right. Yeah. Even with the mistakes and the issues in between, like because we kept working, and because whenever we were um, allotted an issue, we didn't stop. We just found a way to solve the problem, or we didn't quit. Now we're here. Yes, right. <laughs> so we we you know we we run into obstacles, man, and some some pretty big obstacles before you know independently in our lives or or collectively now, 
and you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna go in the corner and ball up and cry. Mm-hmm. We're gonna figure it out. You know, we you know, you know me, I'm a I'm a big talker, so I might while I'm working through it, I might be complaining. You got it, because you gotta get it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, but we're gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna just stop and then move on to something else. We'll work through it, you know, and we give it a, a legit shot until we get to the point where we say it's just not worth it. Right. Because we know, because we know, like, with basketball, with games of runs, yeah. right, you can be in a, a rut for two or three games, and then one night you come out because you've just been persistent, yeah. and you might hit those two, three in a row that sets you up for the rest of the season, yeah. right? But you just got to keep pushing through that because you never know. There are mm-hmm. some things that you can control that's going to happen, but there's always something that's going to happen that was out of your control, right? Mm-hmm. Like me, I had a blood clot issue in my eye and lost the sight in my left eye while in prep school. I didn't know that that was gonna happen. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I was getting boxes and boxes of letters, like prepared to go to D1 with the Ivy League or whatever, but I didn't know I was gonna be on blood thinners or whatever. But through the trials and through what you learn and through good guidance, you learn that you can't control that, right? And so, yes, it feels bad, but you know what you do have a resume of is work. And you know that if nothing else makes sense, you know that if you do this, something good is going to come out of it. Right. right? And so that's where parents come into space. Because right now we talk, we're with kids and we're we're with young kids that are in a very interesting time in human history. (laughs) Period, mm-hmm. right? And when it comes to technology, when it comes to like the p- pandemic we're having, when it comes to amount of information that are out that's out there, information that are out there for parents and kids, good, bad, the ugly, <laughs> the real or the fake. A lot of fake. But it's it's a lot that's out there, and um, it's a lot of stuff that's misleading, and just like with everything. We got to get back to the foundation, the fundamental, what's always going to be there, right? And what we're running into is a lot of like um, social media guided parenting or a lot of like um, what I call like those hot articles, you know, uh, psychologists say this is the new way to do this or scientists say this is the new way to do that. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of kids making a lot of decisions for themselves when they're and they're not ready for it, right? Or a lot of kids doing a lot of quitting, right? And a lot of kids not really being put in a position to kind of be hit with adversity and have to keep working through it, you know, and kind of, you know, seeing how those changes. And we deal with that every day. Right. Right? <laughs> you know, the the social media world today gives all of the kids so many different options to pivot and do something different if they if it's not to their liking and that's just not how the real world works you know um you know social media is going to continue to evolve but the the inner dynamics of how the world works is not i mean there's going to be there's going to be bumps in the road every day yeah but you can't just turn around and find a different route sometimes you got to go over that bump I'm Man. sorry. And, uh, you know, you just can't, as a as a parent, and I know some people say, well, you don't have kids. Well, I do have kids. I've, <laughs> I've, I've had over six or 700 kids. Right. Um, you know, you cannot be afraid of your kid to fail. I'm yes. sorry. You just, you should want your kid to fail 
sometimes, especially in an environment with people that you can trust. Yes. Because you know that those people are going to give you, give your kids the proper encouragement um, and that necessary push to continue on. And that's going to help them in other aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you just have to be willing to say, you know what? It didn't work out for you today, but there's always tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, let them dust themselves off and, and try it again. Yeah. And it's like, it is so hard too, because um, I, I was just talking to somebody today, just trying to you know, partner with our company. And, you know, everybody's looking, when it comes to brands and stuff, everybody's looking for a story. Right. right. And like when I'm telling people and you've 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 prepared me for this because, you know, I get excited with things. I got an idea after idea. You told me like, don't tell them too much because one, they don't really understand. And you might wake up tomorrow and they done stole your idea. Yeah. And then two, it's like we're going to get it done regardless with or without them. Yeah. So just to see where they at first. And, you know, I found at the, early on, I found myself kind of like defending us because parents don't know what they're getting when they look at us, right? And rightfully so. Yeah. You know what I'm You got to earn the trust. Right. right? So, like, that's the number one way our business has really grown because we put an emphasis on making sure that they can trust us as people because right. these are your children, right? Not a marketing scheme or anything. And the one thing that's helped is because of our story, Yeah. right? Like, our relationship is, is embedded over a decade and everything that we're telling you guys is because we've lived it. Yeah. And on the back end of that, too, is what most of the people that are doing what we do here, um, they don't have even the experiential background that we do. You know what I'm saying? Like college educated, you know, 20 plus years in education system, are both of us time in the mental health field as well, and then mentoring as well. So on top of the basketball knowledge. So when we're trying to tell somebody that like, look, not only do you have an older guy you have a guy that's younger too who also relates better to your child than you would when it comes to all the social media stuff but we're telling you like we get all these other things but right now you're crippling your child right giving them too many options early yes you want to give your child autonomy (laughs) and give them confidence and yes but you also need to make sure that they understand that yes while the world is changing you are, no matter what, are going to run into roadblocks. Yep. You are, no matter what, going to run into issues where you're going to have to figure them out on your own. You're going to run into people who are bigger and stronger and a little bit cooler than you, and you're going to have to figure out how to find your voice around them. How else can you do that? And what other controlled environments can you do that? Where you got two adults that know how to massage that relationship with the kids and you're getting better at stuff. But how can you do that, but then you're allowing your kid to quit whenever they say, hey, I just want to break. And we deal with this heavily in Dubai. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, we're going to the beach this week. Are oh, we going to his night? We live on beaches. Yeah. <laughs> you live on beaches. And you can go to the beach any day. And quiet is kept. A lot of these kids are going to grow up because they've been here in Dubai and they're going to be like, I want to leave. And when they leave, they're not going to be prepared. They're not going to be ready to do anything in these other different Western, Western civilization is, civilization is dictating everything. So your kids are going to want to grow up and get out of Dubai and they're not going to be prepared for it. You know, it's the good and the bad, man. You know, the good is that there are so many different options for kids here. Yes. The bad is just that, you know, when you have too many options and you have, 
flexibility to jump from one to the other. Right. What are you really gaining from each one of those options? Right. And, um, you know, I, th- I feel is when you're a kid, your only job is to go to school. Right. So you have the opportunity um, to do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and once you commit to something, at least see it through. Mm-hmm. At least see it through for the short, you know, for the term or whatever, the short time. You know, um, you know, just don't waste your time, your money, your energy, you know, starting something and then not finishing it because, you know, you want to see where it leads. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm not just saying this because I, I believe in what we do, but, you know, personally, I think in terms of sports, team sports, I don't think your kid could be in a better place. I mean, Man. just especially speaking. You know? And then more so now than ever. Kids in this generation, Gen Z and all those other kids, they need to be interacting with people more. Yeah. Do you think about this? Your children have sat and done two years of schooling online without any social interaction. Typically, kids growing up, we spend more time with our peers than we do with our parents when it's time to go to school. Yep. That's how you learn how to interact with people. That's how socially you become comfortable. That's how you know where you're going to go and stuff. Right now, I mean, we we got kids who parents are saying, man, I'm finally seeing their personality. Mm-hmm. I'm finally seeing them, you know, reaching out, getting more confidence, talking more and all these other things. But it's like, yeah. You got to put them in that environment and allow them. So, what you know, this is a space that's a little bit different than what we're used to at home, right? At home, there's not enough resources. There's not enough things for kids to do. There's not enough places for them to go. But here, sometimes we see, you know, rightfully so, you know, you've earned the money that you've got to be able to have these things. But, like, you're just putting kids in each activity. Go swimming, go tennis, go piano, go build robots, go do this. That's all great because... Whenever I have a child in the next 30 years, you know, for sure, we're going to do all those things too. But what are you missing? Right. All of those kids, they're just going from activity, activity, activity. They haven't connected with the human. They don't know how to deal with conflict when dealing with the human. They don't know how to work through a problem with somebody else. They don't know how to not be good at something. And then keep working at it. And, and, to, and see improvement. And see improvement and being like, ah, they don't know how to say, all right, I'm going, that's the goal. Coach Coach King, Coach Ryan said, this is the goal. I'm, I'm at zero right now. I got to work. I got to work and see myself get to that goal, right? And, and stick with it. But instead, it's like, nah, they ain't feeling it today. <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. But how is that going to help your child today? Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But that's you know that's just that's just us. What do we know, right? But it's yeah, it, yeah. it it begs for the last question, right? Um, within this same thing, it's like, what do what would help, especially here, with helping the kids grow, right? Like, what's the perfect balance between allowing them to make the decision and then you like you putting your foot down? Because my mom. She definitely raised me to be my own thinker, right? To be my own self. But she also made sure I didn't quit just because I said I wanted to stop doing something, right? So, like, what's that perfect balance between the two? I don't necessarily know the perfect balance. Um, one of the one of the things I think that would help um, is that coaches here. Mm-hmm. 
stop. That's not every coach. Don't get me wrong. Not every coach, but I'm just, we were, we're going based off feedback from parents, feedback from kids and our observations as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and of course, talking to various coaches. And we'll say coaches around the world, period. We got to, um, you know, yeah, especially in the States. Yeah. We got to start taking these jobs a little more seriously because, you know, even though, you know, you may be coaching the grassroots level and, and may, you may not be making a lot of money, your job is very, very important because you're impactful to somebody's, you know, livelihood later down the road. You know, you can kind of dictate um, how that person will interact with others. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, when you treat your job working with kids as just a job, then a lot of times the kids feed off that. And, you know, and what they what they receive from you guys, they send it out in the universe. And, um, you know, you got to take more more responsibility and, and say, hey, you know, I got to be more engaged with my kids, you know, for that one hour, that one hour that I'm with them and give them the best experience that I can. You know, so that way, one, they'll stay engaged and they won't think about quitting. Fact. But once they start to enjoy it, start to build trust in me, now we can add more things and start to build their platform a little bit better. Um, and, you know, and I think it starts from there, man, you know, because, you know, when there is a situation where we have a kid who's thinking about quitting because they don't think they're good enough, or maybe they think that it's too easy and they have no idea that we're at the beginning stages, you know, we're just mm-hmm. making sure everybody's getting the found, you know, the found, you know, fundamentals down right and everything, you know, we'll go out and talk to the parents and right. we'll, we'll find out what's going on, whether we've heard something negatively or not, we're just going to check on our client base because we want to make sure they're okay. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and I'll end that with saying it takes a village, yep. right? And understanding that is like my mom, I know firsthand, you know firsthand, my mom she needed help raising me because I was a handful, right? When I got to a certain space, I was all over the place and not in a bad way. I was just seeking, trying to figure things out and I needed different opinions from people that have different spaces. So one, I was blessed to have people who took it seriously, right? I was like, okay, she's handing her son over to me. So I'm going to do what I can Mm -hmm. to make sure that happens. And then two, my mom understanding that all right, those two, those three are good. I have no ego here. I know that they can give something, so I'm going to let them give, and I'm not going to get in the way of that. And so it takes a village, so allow that village to develop, and you know, who knows what happens. Because, again, we have to use the experiences that we've already collected to help guide that next generation because they're going to be trying to figure it out every day of their lives yep. through everything. Um, so with that, I think it's a perfect, perfect way to end. So, you know, we're here, episode 15, um, good number too, right? A good number. We're 15. Almost, dang, 15. That's, that's a lot. Man, we moving. Yeah, we, we are moving <laughs> in the midst of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the thinking about what's coming up next. So, um, some cool stuff will be coming, but... As you guys know, it's post-game wrap-up time. Um, I'm over here trying to find mine that I had saved up. But, OG, what you got for the sound off? 
Yeah, I was gonna say, man, why I always gotta go first? Because <laughs> I know you always got something. In. Why? You, so is that? Are you insinuating that I always got? I talk too much? No, nah, you've been doing post game wrap ups since I was a player. Locker room games. You've been doing it professionally. Matter of fact, like I'm new to this. I don't come in with the practice plan yet. I'm still trying to figure out how to write it. Yeah, this dude, man, shut up. <laughs> so anyway, this this um, my post game, you know, pertains to our current hoop mountain hoop stars. You know, we talked to you guys um, recently about we're going to be selecting certain players to play in certain tournaments and play in certain games, whatever. And we talked about the the aspect of working hard each time that you guys come to practice and doing some work on your own outside of our practice. Well, you know, one thing I want you guys to think about is um, can you at, can you legitimately answer this question truthfully and not feel as though that you're lying? Are you working hard when no one's around? That's how you determine whether or not you're really serious about getting better in whatever sport that you're participating in. You know, a lot of people can work hard when somebody's barking at them all. And you guys know that myself and Coach Ryan, we bark at you guys all the time because we're not going to let you waste your time. We're not going to let you let you waste your parents' hard-earned money. And you're not going to waste our time because we believe in you guys. But how hard do you work when we are not around? That's the question you need to ask yourself. And that's something that pertains to many, many things outside of basketball. And that's something that can help you later in life. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to take us into that uh, business entrepreneur vibe. Anybody that got a dream about anything, um, look forward to the challenge and then be prepared to make things work with the lack of resources. All right. Sometimes you got an idea and it may take more money. It may take more of this or that. Part of that success and part of that journey and a part of that sweet taste of victory at the end is knowing what you did in the middle to make things happen when people weren't there to support or people weren't there to help back you up. So look forward to that challenge and don't look at a lack of resources as a reason to stop. Just a reason for you to get more creative and find a way to make it work. Because in the end, what that's going to do is build character. And when it's time for you to really blow up and grow and put things together, you'll be an even better leader for it. So look forward to that challenge and do what you can with what you got. The rest will come, you know. So as you guys know, that's episode 15. Look us up on Instagram, BTG Nation. Check us out. Like, comment, subscribe, everything. HoopMountain.ae, HoopMountainDXB. Subscribe. And as always, keep it real, keep it simple, and keep going. Just tune in. You already know, G. BTG Nation. The other ones in the nosebleeds.